look who it is. You've got a lot of nerve showing your face in here again. What have I done wrong? It's Mark bloody Zuckerberg here with his tech solutions. Trying to... Your attempt to... Oh, I've got a new new audio setup for a podcast, Scott. It'll be really good. We'll, we'll get a really good... It'll be so much more convenient for me. Look what you did. <laughs> now, we've got... We've barely had any listeners before, and now we've got even less. Because, <laughs> just because you decided to mess with the, I mean, with the podcast audio. Our, our listeners would not have changed for last episode. It's whether they come back for this one. If, if, <laughs> if last episode was enough to drive our, our listener base away. Uh, no, last episode we got a uh, normal amount of listeners to what we usually get. Haven't you given up hope of ever trying to improve anything in any way yet? I have. Uh, you know. You know what? I have considered recently how we can improve the podcast. And my solution, I didn't come up with any solution. Okay. <laughs> other than completely change the format, which <laughs> this, this, this podcast exists for you and I to talk to each other like we did when we were teenagers. And so changing the format from that would... To, to what? What would... Exactly, what would you change? Alternate format? What's the, exactly, there isn't one. Uh, without us suddenly not just having a conversation which is what this exists for, and we allow people to listen into that, um, then what's this podcast for? No one's asked me to, no one's said it needs changing. People only ever say nice things about the podcast. Yeah, exactly. But you know, when you do something for three years and you think, we should just change it. We should just change it all up. Uh, I decided, yeah, so that, that was got, an option. Got, I've got a joke, but I think it would be too... Uh... Well, tell you what, Scott. Why don't you say that joke, and then at the end of the joke, if we decide right. it wasn't it wasn't good, then the audience will know that it cuts out at right. basically this so, point. So, say your say your bit about doing something for three years and deciding to just change it. <laughs> I think I know what the joke is. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just do something for three for three years, and you decide to just change it all up. That's what your ex wife did. <laughs> <laughs> I broke up with her. <laughs> you weren't left much choice, to be fair. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, well, now that we've raked up that uh, severe emotional trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that we've done it's that, it's fine. You bounce back. I bounce back. Welcome to the Nerd and All Geek Podcast, episode seventy-nine, going out on the 9th of May, twenty twenty-two. I am your host. Cal bouncing back, Doughty, and I'm joined, as always, by a man who doesn't need to bounce back because no one will marry him. It's everybody's friend, <laughs> Scott Hunter. Cal, if I may say, may the fifth be with you. May the fifth <laughs> be with you always, Scott. May the fifth be with you. Um, how are you, Scott? It's all right. Uh, the fifth is my ally, and a powerful ally it is. No, oh, yeah, is that is that Star Wars quote? Uh, before, he says the Force is my ally. Oh, right. Okay. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I've, I have I realise I don't know enough about Star Wars. I'm a, I'm, I like Star Wars, or I liked liked Star Wars. You were a big um, Star Wars fan, if I remember. Yeah, I was into Star Wars. And I'm less so now that it's been, again... It's the Disneyfication of, of suddenly it needing to exist in many forms for... So that there's constantly content out throughout the year. Uh, I, I've said this before, right? So previously, prior to like 2015, we we'd had six Star Wars films in about 40 years. 
And you had, I, I, I mean, I, you had a few TV series. You had the Clone Wars TV series, but otherwise... Some animated, yeah, okay. Uh, don't forget the Ewoks. Oh, yeah. And don't forget the animated Ewoks. Animated movie. Um, yeah. So, Star yeah, Wars you, Christmas special. So, seven films and and a couple of series, and then the books and games, I guess. Yeah, like, but then, in the past seven years, we've had, like, five movies, several TV shows. Yep. Too much. And, you know, comic books, video games, well, there we go. It's, uh, it turns out you can have too much of a good thing. Uh, but that's the problem with a lot of Disney... A lot of stuff in general, to be honest, is that... You get you get something good, and you just have to f- do absolutely loads of it. You have to, keep doing, thing, it, you have to I, keep doing it until people are sick of it. It's a Disney uh, factory machine, isn't it? I like Star Wars, but do I want a new Star Wars every year? Probably not. If they were all genuinely good, and they did, they didn't all act like they really mattered. Then maybe. But wouldn't your isn't your fatigue with it kind of impact how you view a film? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, although, then again, the, the last film was just shit, and I was semi-excited for that. Listen to our Star Wars episode that we did when that film came out. Oh, ages will, ago. Ages ago, uh, and you'll you hear that, that <laughs> how movie, much I hated that film. Uh, that, that Rose of Skywalker is looking back on it, but really, it's the beginning of the end um, for society, really, because that came out right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah, it did. But that, that really... It, it, yeah, it heralded a dark time. A, a darkness in the Force, maybe. Yeah, a I, I mean, in the Force. I guess Palpatine returned and he brought COVID with him. <laughs> no one saw that coming. No one saw that His coming. His final scheme. <laughs> if you don't like the movie, then you can just stay in. You can't watch any movies anymore. How about that? How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, I'm okay. Um,. Just not much has happened. I've been a bit unwell this week. Had some. I don't know what I came down with. I don't know if I'm just stressed or if I not COVID uh, had. Uh, not COVID. Um, no, just been feeling a bit under the weather. But I'm feeling it's better now than it was at the start of the week. So there we go. Uh, Bank holiday weekend is nice. Felt I got a lot of painting done. I'll talk a bit about some of the painting I've been doing uh, in a bit. But yeah, apart from that, it's just generally all right. I've actually I'm starting playing. Star Wars Legion, the miniatures game. Talking of Star Wars, oh, I, thought going, going, I thought it was going to be a video game. Then I'm going to do a um, a trade, fe- uh, not trade, fe- a droid army, a droid separatist army. Interesting. Star Wars Legion. So droid separatists two. were the ones uh, from Phantom Menace. Yeah, it's for it's for plot of the prequels. It's, yes, uh, the it, separatists. Yeah. But I I just like taking the most the, the in the movies the worst like faction. The worst, like battle droids, and just making an army of them. I think that will be. Fun. I the 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 one thing the prequels have going for them, other than the third one being fairly good, um, no. is that no, the third one's good. I, whatever. All right, I'm third not going to get into this. Um, <laughs> I've not seen it in about ten, maybe longer, probably longer than that years. Well, maybe like thirteen years. So maybe it's not good, um, but. The one thing the films are going for them, I think, is that some of those droid designs are pretty cool. I like them, especially the droider cars, the ones that roll around and they get but the yeah, shields. Yeah, those I've are pretty good. Of, I've got some of those miniatures. See, those look, those. those look cool, and they're cool, and they and they get the shields, and they're really powerful. And I like that. And yeah, you've got like the regular droids that are like the slapstick comedy people, the, the sort of like Jar Jar Binks in droid form. 
But even then, I'm, I kind of like the design if they're a bit more serious. Just well, well st stay tuned. I'm looking, forward, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to this out of all your paintings. More out of, okay, out of nice. anything you've done, Scott. I'm looking forward to this cool. the most. Try and make them as cool as possible. All right. If you can, give them, like, uh, like scars. Scars? Oh, like flame designs? Yeah, racing stripes. Radical, yeah. All right. Have you got um, General Grievous? I do have General Grievous. Oh, that would be good. He, he, See, comes in the he comes in the starter box. He's great. Big fan of General Grievous. Again, one of the good parts of those original films is General Grievous. Uh, so what, what have you been doing? I'm also very well, thank you for asking. Yeah, I was going to ask. I thought we were done with my bit. How are yeah. you? I am good. Uh, I also enjoyed a bank holiday weekend where I went to a friend's birthday party on the Sunday, but otherwise just stayed indoors playing games, watching anime and reading One Piece, which was oh, a nice. pretty good way to spend like it. I don't know how much detail you want on my life. Like, oh, our, our meeting went well. We had like a public meeting for our election campaign that was well attended. Um, yeah, I don't need that much detail. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so it's yeah, I've been doing good, and I go for, to Italy in two days as of recording this podcast time. Uh, when, when this podcast gets released, it would have been two days ago. Okay. Although, please don't burgle my house. But right. I, I was always told that you shouldn't post on like any sort of message, social media or anything. You're going to be away because then criminals target your home because they know that you're out. Mm. Is that a thing? Well, someone could like use it to work it out, right? But they that, don't know that, my address. Not necessarily. Uh, but like, if say they can see your photos, like they're a friend of a friend, and you've posted pictures like outside your house, which I have stuff. To. Yeah, so they they could potentially <laughs> work it out from that. Um, so you know. It, 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 feels like a, it feels like a lot of effort to go to yeah. and you could just burgle someone close to you. I guess. I mean, are you going to post it on social media? I'm going to probably post it to my story or something and I'll probably post okay. about it when I get oh. back. But I'm not bringing anything with me that will... I've got my... I'm bringing my small tablet, which I read manga on typically, but it's got access to Instagram. But otherwise, I'm not going to be on like social media anyway. So maybe. So you, you've heard it there, folks. Cal's only bringing his small tablet from his house. So yeah, all the other the bigger ones been left uh, have, been, have been left behind. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing his, I'm bringing yeah, his closet. I, I imagine you with a walk-in in, because you're a homeowner. You own a mansion, right? You're a homeowner. Yeah, I own a mansion. Uh, I, so I, you're, it, you're, I own, you're there uh, in a your red, like a standard in your, in your twelve-bedroom mansion, yeah, and, and you know, it's you and your fiance, and each cat has its own room. Obviously, and uh, <laughs> and you have like a you have a walk-in closet, and you've got one for clothes, uh, but then you've also got another walk-in closet that you just pull out these cupboards, and it's all tablets, and you think, what tablet of mine should I use today? The small, <laughs> the small one for reading manga, hmm, or the bigger the, one the, which, for for what? The small one anime? is not a good tablet. It's it's. It's like a so, 50 quid so one that got that's cheap what, at some point. That's what your house is like. You've got this cupboard for the computer tablets. Uh, and that's just the start. And it'll be completely empty for two weeks uh, as of two days ago when you're hearing this, listener. So <laughs> Unless you're you know, listening to this like after the Monday. <laughs> and it could be any number of so days. Take a look. It's, all, it's all up for grabs. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? If you stole it, Cal's so rich, he wouldn't even miss it. He'd just replace it right away. I'm insured, so I would replace it right away. You're right, but it's, it wouldn't be with my own money. Uh, I'm taking my Switch with me as well, my Switch OLED, which I got, <laughs> which I got a lot of uh, I'm annoyed about it, though, 
because I've had it for about two months now. Scratch yeah. on the screen. Oh, that's why I use a screen protector. I don't. I, I know. I really hate screen protectors in well, general. Well, bet you wish you had one now. I kind of don't think it's my fault. Well, in what way? In the I put it in the um the the stand a couple weeks ago. I've not used it for a little bit, and I got it out earlier this week, and it just had a scratch on it. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the stand scratched it. I think maybe. that might be a thing. Who knows? Should have used so, a screen protector. I'm going to take it to, to Italy with me, but then when I'm getting back, I'm sending it to a Nintendo for a, for a pair. They claim that scratching a screen is not on the warranty, but we'll see about that. Well, okay, you're going to make a legal argument. I'm going to speak to them. You, you work. Please, in, in, please you work in, for me. in complaints, right? So you, you know how to get the system. You're like a complaints master. Yeah, I, I know complaints. I know how complaints work. Um, you know, like the keywords used to get it escalated. I Wait. will never use my powers for, for my own personal That's game. <laughs> I, so I've got to send it back. It's, it's very annoying. It's um, I, my other Switch, which I have which I've opened up, sellotapes back together, done Lord knows what with, has not a single scratch on the screen. So the idea that my OLED's got a scratch two, weeks, two months in, I don't feel like it's my fault. And I'm sticking to that argument. Okay. <laughs> that's not and that's what you will with. say. How many customers have you had at your job, Cal, who who just say, I don't feel like this is my fault, when it's obviously their fault? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am not uh, at liberty in any, any liberty to say <laughs> to answer that question. Um, <laughs> so that's been my couple of weeks. I was really annoyed about it because I that sort of stuff really... It's one of those, it's one of those questions that I could realistically ignore but it's kind of it's it's a vertical scratch in sort of like the lower third of the screen and so whenever the camera's panning left to right on like a bright image i'm just aware of it so i would i would like to not ignore it. i'd rather just get it fixed but how much could it cost to fix one of those screens i couldn't tell you no i know uh what have you what do you want to talk about first from the things that we've done do you want oh. to do the thing we've both done yeah, all right. Do you want to go? We'll have a little talk about the new season of Better Call Saul, which, which is four so far, episodes in. Four episodes in. What do you think of it so far? So it's the final season of Better yep. Call Saul, or the and first I, half of the final season. I think they're splitting it into two halves. All right. And just to refresh my general opinions on Better Call Saul, uh, I think it's a TV show with some very talented actors, extremely yep. talented actors, and the writers are good at writing dialogue. They're good at writing individual scenes. And I feel like if you put those actors in a scene together with like half-decent dialogue, they'll make compelling television because yeah. they, they have a chemistry with each other. And the dialogue, you know, the dialogue scenes are very good. Like they get to write good dialogue. The actual structure of that show, I think, is kind of a mess. It is. I, I, I have not realised it. I think this series is especially bad for it, but it is kind of just all over there, the place. There's being a slow burn and then there's kind of this. It suffers from the usual problem of prequels uh, which is we know how these characters end up. We know how one of the two of the characters end up, three of them. We know how three we know of the characters end up. We know how most of up. the characters end up. Um, and we and we learn, I guess we'll just say spoilers now. Spoilers. Yeah, or... skip skip forward like we'll talk a little bit, we'll talk a little bit of the final super season of Better Call Saul. We are, we are not shy of spoilers on this podcast as people know, so maybe skip forward how long, I mean, I could talk about this for a while, to be honest. Skip forward 10 minutes, 
right. we'll put a we'll timer on. We'll put a timer on in 10 minutes' time, and then we'll give another warning from there. So starting okay. now. All right. Um, so we know like how one of the exclusive characters ends up. Uh, had a very unceremonious end, really. I like um, that, though. So I, I like I like that, um, and we've given people 15 seconds from when we said to die now, now. Uh, I liked that Nacho, for a character, didn't just have some ultra-dramatic death scene. Uh, it, it, it does very much ground it the death in a way when it's just a quick, like, boop, gone, and then yeah. he's just shot a load of times on the floor. But, but like, from a writing perspective, what narrative purpose does that serve? Because Nacho... So the series is Better Call Saul, and it's yeah. a story about Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman uh, sort of going on a journey uh, to how he ends up breaking that. So we, we see Saul's journey. Nacho is a character who's been with us the same length of time, and we've seen yeah. him go on his own kind of journey. He's been breaking good, if anything. He's been, <laughs> But... Um, but that story, I guess, just ends it with him just dying. And yeah, that's fine. But his death doesn't really accomplish anything narratively. And I, I feel like it's very much the writers being like, what do we do with Nacho? I He's not he around dies. later, yeah, so he, he, has to be, he has to go uh, somewhere. However, I, I texted you this. I really want a new spin-off series. Nacho's like waster girlfriends trying to get their lives back on track. Yeah, I love that they had to include that scene just to be like, we can't just leave them there. We can't do another Huel in a safe house where we just leave him there and never <laughs> never address it again. Yeah, exactly. Like I did in Breaking Bad. Um, was it Huel? I think so. Uh, yeah, so they very much wrote a scene of like, and then they get kicked out and get given money and told to yeah, go away. I, I they want go to away. see a series about them. <laughs> It would be great. Trying to so, get sober, trying to get their lives back on track. Sorry, you had a question. They're not trying to get sober. They're not going to try and get their Maybe lives they'll gonna, try. Maybe find, it's a make-up call for them. They're going to find a new person, to, right. to, which is their prerogative. They have every right to do that. I, I'm more for it. Um, I think my... So I didn't mind Nacho's death. I agree that as of right now, the narrative purpose isn't there. These sort of things do have a way of coming back up in some surprising fashion in the in this sort of show. So I'm not going to write it off completely yet because we're only four episodes in. All right, sure. I will say that these four episodes and it's something that my partner mentioned at the start of the third episode, when they do that opening shot of just something and it's meant to be like artistic and representative really of the story. Bit this time around. But fucking hell. <laughs> they Jesus. Right? Every single episode is some slow pan Onto something on the ground, uh, I think I'm All sure right. one this of them. My... One of them was like a piece of pottery, and I yeah. don't think it ever came back. Uh, the pottery is like a broken bottle from where Nacho died. Um, yeah, oh, okay. Th- th- this is my own. Uh, this is an axe grind. Like whoever's doing the cinematography, slow panning to something in the opening and then ending on the same shot, it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. That's not artistic on its own. All that, right. was, that was good the few times it was used in Breaking Bad for the audience to go with, oh, right, yeah, that was but, that was cool. But, like, you've made this show. But you, you, yeah, knew, you've had, you yeah. knew what the yeah. final... You didn't notice something. You knew what the final shot was going to be. Yeah. It's, just, it's not... It needs to have a theme attached to it. Like, oh, this, you know, this thing, we'll see how it gets there. Or ideally, it should be something that you recognise. So you're like, how does that get there, right? 
but but yeah. it doesn't always happen. And they do it with well, the first episode. They do it with like a. Um, I think. Oh well. Oh, we're, we're we're ten minutes in now. Uh, so we're still going. I think we're, we're ten, 10 minutes, minutes in. We're not ten minutes in. No, no. We're, oh, we're less no. than five minutes in. I was looking at the seconds, not the okay. <laughs> not the minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a seven. I was like, we're back. Um, we uh, the, the first episode is especially bad for this because I know what they're doing in that they open with this with this fancy house a golden house office looking thing that uh, is it's, maybe it's jimmy's future house, right? it, it, yeah. it is his future one and it's all being torn and taken down and i it's think the first time living in at the end of breaking bad well this is the it's the first time we get one of those potential future shots which isn't in black and white like all the others at the start of at the start of every other series of better call saul has been entirely in black in black and white no all the stuff set in our present day is in black and white but that i believe so that you think this shot might be bad. That's, this shot might be in more in the future than Better Call no, Saul, but no, not it, in the present day. No, it's from the end of Breaking Bad, where the, the feds are taking apart Jimmy's house. Okay, but that's still way more that's in the in future the, than the current than in the rest of the show. Oh, yeah, so it's, it's still it's still a complete different, completely different but place but than it's everything not else. Saul after he's escaped. All right, whatever. But also, you're just guessing that. Like, there's, there's no way of. But no, that's, that's obviously the what's going on. Yeah. But it, it could also be that he does something in this area. That it comes, it, what I'm saying is, it was it felt again, kind of needless. Like you'd never seen that house before. And to just open with that and be like, hey, there you go, that's where he lived, and it's all being closed down now. I don't. I just. I just. I liked that one a bit better. I liked it better than the others. I still felt it was a bit like it. It was them doing the. Uh, to me, it felt like doing the. The airplane opening from series two, where you see the stuff floating in the in the in the swimming pool, oh, yeah. and hey, we're going to come back to that later. Um, um, anyway, so this final season, it has, I guess, it had two plots uh, that are kind of coming together, it had, and plots of dramatically different stakes. You've got. Can I, can I just things, say? I'm sorry. One one yeah. thing before going into this series, it's been so long since the last one because of the pandemic. I didn't have a clue what was going on. I couldn't remember shit that was going on. I've slowly picked it up, I think. I still don't know why they're going after Howard, but... Yes, that's the thing. It is Gus and his drug war against the Salamancas. And then it is Jimmy pursuing a personal grudge against a guy who, by all... Like, was fairly decent to him. He's not... Really? I mean, Howard has done... Uh, He's he's made some poor decisions. His crime is he's a bit of a dick. But yeah. like, but he in, by all by most measures, he's been all right to Jimmy. Yeah, he, I I don't know why Howard why Jimmy's pursuing this intense personal grudge. It is not even like a little bit. <laughs> it's the yeah. latest episode. He pretends to be him, steals his car, <laughs> and chucks a hooker out of it. And oh it's yeah. Like... Um, but also getting, I've said before, this show can sometimes have Star Wars prequels levels of unnecessary detail. And I feel like they're really trying to set up every character for Breaking Bad because it's even like, and this, it's a prostitute from Breaking Bad. Was she not from earlier in Better Call Saul? Because yeah. my partner also had this queer question and I wasn't sure if she was in Breaking Bad or if I was just uh, I remembering think, a scene from Better Wendy Call Saul. Is, she, she is a bit player in Breaking Bad. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, and it, <laughs> those those are the weird are the weird things. So you, the the Salamanca drug war is inconsequential uh, because like, we know how it turns out. That's we the know plot. Spring survives. Yeah, that's and, the plot and, which doesn't need does not need to exist uh, and, in the series. We know Hector Salamanca ends up 
just in like a like a little cottage and dies and we 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 know that nothing comes of this right yeah so well, so we know how Lalo Salamanca has got to go out of the picture somehow and that's the only plot thread left dangling. I'm fairly Apart sure. From... I'm fairly certain that Lalo Salamanca only exists because they couldn't get the actor back for um, the the only actor they got back in series one. Tuco. Tuco. I'm pretty sure they couldn't get him back for the rest of it, and that's why Lalo exists. Because I don't know. Yeah. He just fills that exact same role. Good actor though. Very good actor. Tony Dalton's incredible. Um, and uh, the thing the thing is that there's never any issues of any acting in this show. No, no, the acting's great. The, the, the individual scenes are very well written. I love, yeah, I love, I love being with these characters. And, I love hearing. And I them. enjoy it. Yeah, I, that's how I, I describe it. You put it on to spend time with these characters. Yeah, and maybe that's enough. And so they, they just wanted to write more of these characters. So that's why you've got the Gus Fring plot of okay, we want to spend more time with that character because he's so engaging. But I think he's just doing, Gus just Fring doing as the a major character was a mistake, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, he does. He's just doing the same Gus Fring shit as what he did in Breaking Bad. But I mean, I think, I he's think even letting he's, he's a bit less engaging here the, because the he's already like shot you know. is like there's a bit when he first starts to come up where they're like they go to like the chicken restaurant and like Gus Fring there's like a dramatic shot of him in the background and it's like okay well if you've watched Breaking Bad you know exactly who this guy is and how his story ends so that's not creating tension and if you don't know haven't watched Breaking Bad then this shot means nothing to you yeah yeah absolutely all right i just i don't know if this i am interested i mean i've enjoyed seeing i think soul as a character it is fun seeing him like where he came from and how he ended up as soul soul uh soul goodman soul mcgoodman soul mcgoodman uh he he is a character that is that we're, we're coming up on 10 minutes by the way i, I might I'll, give I'll it let, another five i'll let it hit 27 and then we'll give we'll give everyone another five yeah uh Hi, okay guys. Another another five minutes. Another from five. This point. We'll have it done in five. Definitely, right. we'll wrap Let's it up. Record another five. Um, Love he, you. I, I think that stuff <laughs> with with Sol Goodman is inherently interesting, and I think I think seeing him go from um, Jimmy McGill to Sol Goodman is is a fascinating character trip because otherwise, in, in Breaking Bad, you do not learn anything about Sol Goodman beyond him being the lawyer stuff. Mm-hmm. So that is interesting, uh, Kim. Really enjoy, and I like her being part of of Soul's journey. I fucking hope they don't kill her off because that is okay. so boring to but, me. If they do, yes. So the, the 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 one major plot thread hanging really is um what happens to Kim. Yeah, and and there are good ways to handle it and bad ways. So good, bad ways, really shit endings. She dies. Yeah. Um. Also, by the way, if if Jimmy's antics get her killed, it makes him much more of a bastard that he goes on. Being yes, the criminal hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I hope she doesn't die. And also, it's like a, that's like a bad trope, right? A yeah, woman getting of killed off. Anyway, that's so. Hope Kim doesn't die. Saying and she was there all along, which <laughs> would be would be a really bad ending. I think I prefer that to her dying. But yep, still still bad. Yeah. Uh, similarly, Kim going to like prison would also be a a bad ending. It because of because Saul continues on as he does. Yeah, I think the only the only ending for Kim that I'm happy with is that she comes to realize that the stuff they're doing, it goes south, and she just realizes there's no way we can realistically carry on with this. I've got to go, and so he he has to make the choice of like, okay, do I carry on doing this, which I which I genuinely love, or do I go go with her and potentially be bored? 
and he chooses that. Yeah, Although but... with the way that this series has gone so far, I don't know if she's if she can suddenly make that turn to feeling that way because she's yeah. fully she's fully in on this shit. We'll she, see. Like you know, she, the only appropriate ending is she has to leave him. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll see if they fuck it up. Why she has to leave him is 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 a whole other matter entirely. Like, does she have to go into? Does she have to? If she has to go into hiding, I don't. That could be that, interesting. That could be interesting. You know, um, it's 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 that's the bit I am constantly wary of mm-hmm. because I do think they're just going to kill her off. Especially after Nacho was just killed off so unceremoniously, because again he's another character who you could have given that guy a happy ending. Yeah, and I don't think it would have been wrong to do so. Um, I get that this this series wants to be serious and and it in very much is serious, and people do bad shit and don't necessarily get their get their happy day at the end of it. Most people in Breaking Bad don't get a ha- no one gets a happy ending actually really in Breaking Bad, and maybe that's just the the message here, mm-hmm. but have one of them uh, get one. Come on, time. Nacho, think- Nacho was that? Nacho was like was becoming good and yeah. did did a lot better. He deserved better, similar to what Jesse deserved. Uh, prediction time. Do you think Brian Cranston will make a cameo? One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't sure. think this. I don't think this series ends without a Brian Cranston and and um, Aaron Paul. Cameo. Aaron Paul's that his name? I don't know. Walt and Jesse will appear in some capacity. Alright, sure. Guarantee it. I would I would bet actual money. And, on and it. I guess the other major thing to be resolved is what happens to Saul in the present day? That's the bit yeah. I'm most interested in. Because we had that I'm go, most because interested if you in remember him? last season, yeah. he, he was like discovered, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And yes. he and he had to try and resolve it. So yeah. we'll see, yeah. He was like, No, I, um, I'll resolve it myself. I'm interested in Kim. I'm interested in what happens to Sold in the present day. I, w- I still really want to know why they're bothering Howard so much. Yeah. <laughs> just I a don't, petty grudge. I don't know if we're ever getting an answer to that, but I, also, I, would, I would love to see just some comeuppance from it. Briefly, they try to they try and make you feel a bit sympathetic to that fraudster couple. <laughs> like, try, but... but... But the couple who, as we speak, are like happily defrauding pensioners, and they try and be like, haven't they suffered? They've suffered so much indignity. I fancy the woman from that couple. Fair enough. I got there's something about her being so just horrible and evil all the time. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm into it's it. It's all right. I fancy Nacho's waste of girlfriends, but I guess that's <laughs> a, I, I guess that says something about our different personalities. <laughs> I understand. I didn't fancy them. Um, okay. All right. Wait, that's wait, the, that that concludes. Points. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say something now that is not a spoiler because it talks about a previous season okay. of Medical Soul and it's not even a plot point. If I ever got to interview the creators of that show, what I really want to know is in season four, I think it is a Medical Soul. You're doing Jimmy... the nerd question from The Simpsons of no, no, no. I am it, season four. <laughs> in season four, Jimmy dresses in a mustard yellow shirt with a purple suit jacket, and those are Joker colours. I want to know, did they deliberately put Jimmy in Joker <laughs> colours to, symbol- to symbolise him like sk- falling down the path to like uh, moral ambiguity or not? Because he's, those are, that's just for Joker. Mustard yellow shirt and purple, <laughs> purple suit jacket. A wizard did it. How about that? I'm, I'm not asking, like, for what reason. <laughs> I, I'm asking, like, 
what, did they intentionally choose those colours to like symbolise something? Is Jimmy a or, fan of the Joker of, of Batman? Uh, maybe. We don't 100%. Know. 100%. I, I, we know that in the world of Medical Soul, like it's go, we're going up to like the start of Breaking Bad right now. It's brushing up against it. So it's like the Dark Knight was coming out in theatres. Yeah. He's... We, we, never, we never get a scene of Jimmy going coming out of the theatre seeing Dark Knight and being like, wow. <laughs> And dressing as Heath Ledger's Joker for Halloween. Yeah, yes. Uh. <laughs> Ultimately, I, I enjoy. It. I enjoy watching it. Um, but you know, what's what's the fun in enjoying something if you can't criticize it? Yeah, I mean, I've never said I don't enjoy. It. I've, I've praised it even, but I enjoy it. And I'm, indeed, what I'm hearing I, here I will be. I will be hate it, it. Till the end. <laughs> what I'm hearing here is Callan Scott of the Nerd Under Geek podcast hates Better Call Saul. <laughs> they can't stand it. <laughs> what else? <laughs> Talk about your painting. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been doing some big painting. So, um, my Demons of Chaos Army, my um, Legion of the First Prince, it's called in Age of Sigmar. I've been doing some more big painting. I've been painting the final, pretty large pieces um, for my army, and I actually got the army to the table um, on Monday as well, which was good. Um, most that's the painting. biggest struggle of war I've heard is getting the army to the table. Getting the army to the table. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so check it out. These will go on the Nerd and or Geek Instagram, and um, you can always check them out at Scott Hunter Studios. My my personal painting one. Cal, describe what you're seeing to me in these photos. It looks like a Doom Demon. It is. He is a Doom Demon. He's a classic demon. Yeah. So we've got we've got a, a big demon like from Doom. Uh, it's wearing armor with like skulls and things on it. It's got wings. Uh, it's doing like a pose that's like, oh, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you, and he's like, fly as if he's flying. He's being held up, but he's 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 putting his legs on a flaming trident, or is it he's, or his legs he's, on fire? He's, he's he's jumped off the ground, and a spurt of fire has come up, and that's just, and it's come up in like a spike formation. Yeah, okay, although the spikes are from his chain, his belt, by the looks of it. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a He's a scary one. He's, He's got some symbols on his wings. On the back yeah. of his wings, you've got these runic symbols. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe you. I mean, you can look at the pictures, but I'm going to try and describe them anyway. For if you're like listening to this in the car or something, don't don't look at the pictures in your car, please. Uh, you've got two. So it's symmetrical because he, he cares about symmetry. Um, he's got <laughs> like the symbol looks like a ship's steering he, wheel. Okay. Um, you've got. Oh, the rest are kind of just the same. Uh, okay. Three little lines of a cross at the top. They're corn symbols. Yeah. yeah. He's a bloodthirster of insensate rage. He's cool. I like him. He's, his yeah. wings and also if... are ripped. He's got like ripped yes. wings, which is the style right now. Yeah. And if you go down to the bottom, there's another piece as well. And then, yeah, so I was getting to that. Uh, you've got a, 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 a demon woman. Um, and because she's a demon woman, she has to be in, in like a metal bikini top. Uh, with with sort of metal underwear as well, she's also got wings and like a, a fun horned crown. She's got a big a pair up and a big ponytail, so it doesn't get in her eyes while she's doing a demon murdering. Uh, four arms, not not not. Yep. Talk, I'm not talking about the part of the arm. I'm I'm saying she has four <laughs> four arms, uh, four of them. So she's got one arm, but times four. Uh, it's, and I mean, what could she do with those? Who knows? A lot of things, I imagine. Would you would you rather have four arms or four legs? Um, four arms, and I could 
eat my lunch and then also like play a game at the same time. <laughs> I thought you were going to do something uh, sexual then. No, oh, that's just disgusting. <laughs> I n- never. She's also got these big metal wings or, or big wings, oh, but with metal. They, they look sort of, they're, they're just grey. They've got sort of grey bits on them. Okay. Uh, cool. They've got they've got holes in. She's very cool. What's what's the deal with her blue cape? Uh, it's just a nice nice blue cloth, blue cape. That's, nice. that's just it's floating. She's floating with demonic energy. Do you ever feel like painting clothes on her? Um, maybe. <laughs> it's a thing, though, isn't it? Like, you get women's demons, you're like, well, yeah. metal underwear. Yeah. I like her. What, be... So, what's 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 their names? Okay, the, so the, the, the Bloodthirster, the red one, is Bloodthirster of Insensate Rage. He's not a named character. He is just like a greater demon of corn. He doesn't get a name. Can we name him? Doesn't get... Uh, if you like. Uh, he looks like, um... Melvin, the Bloodthirster. Melvin. Melvin, the Bloodthirster. Let's call him That's a good name for a hero. Uh, for a he- he's a hero. <laughs> no, he's... Well, he's not. He's a hero of his own side. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, yeah, good. Okay. Um, so you, what's his deal? Uh, he's just uh, amongst the demons of Corn, the Blood God, the God of War, the God of, uh, you know, anger. He is kind of one of... He's like a, the, the biggest, baddest of the demons, basically. Okay. If he still doesn't get a name though. Uh there is a named greater demon called Scarbrand, I think. Um Scarbrand. But this is not he's not built as that model. When people name a demon something like Scarbrand in like a yeah. fantasy series, do you reckon they do it knowingly that that's like really dumb or is it do they think I it's cool? So. I I can't imagine someone sitting back and being like this demon's called Scarbrand and thinking, mm. yeah, this is this is badass. That's just something I think about sometimes. Uh, World of War- Warcraft has that issue. I think with basically anything, anyone they name, it has to be just some weird wind runner. What's the um, what's the lady demon's deal? Uh, that is Senessa, the voice of Slanesh. So she's a servant yes, of, of the dark of Slanesh, the god of excess. The god of gluttony. Mm, and, that explains uh, her. Okay. Um, basically, uh, she came about. Um, some other gods in the in the universe uh, tried to enact a ritual to steal the powers of Slanesh, uh, and they absorbed a bunch of souls that Slanesh had claimed. Uh, but one of those resisted and kind of got struck off um, and became its own like being. And that's what she is. A protein entity. Yes. Um, yeah. Basically. What's uh, her? What's the little stick uh, she's holding? The sort of like long, uh, it's, it's long staff. wand. Yeah, it's good. The staff. Her sister's called Dexessa, who's like the Talon of Sanesh. But Sanesh is all about magic. Yeah, so that's the that's the stuff. What about the rope? Uh, that's just like a nice, you know, bit of rope. Just, <laughs> uh, just part of her outfit. Okay, such as that is. Yeah, I like it. I like it. What does she do? Uh, cast a lot of spells. Mm. She knows every Sunday spell, which is very useful in game. What sort of spells are they? Uh, basically, the main one is a spell called Slothful Stupor, where you prevent enemy heroes from doing anything useful. That is pretty which good. Which is good. If they were relying on their heroes to charge into combat, I'm sorry, you can't charge now. You can't do that. You could do. You could maybe like move at a slow pace, a crawl. Yeah, but you can't run and you can't charge. 
you can only just move normally. You can't get into combat. No, no, very good. Very yeah, good. it's good. Age of Sigma is good. And I had a first game of the army, had a victory. Very good. A rare victory, really, because I'm not that good at Age of Sigma with uh, yet. First Prince. So we'll keep going. Yes, indeed. Very good. Um, well, good. I, I think they're very well painted, as always. But yeah. that's, I mean, you're used to hearing that now. That's all right. I just thought I'd mention because that's mostly what I've been doing. No, it's good. I like it a lot. All um, right, Cal, what have you been doing? I have been playing a game. Oh, my God. It's called Nintendo Switch Sports. Oh, yeah. how, how is it? It's very, very good. Um, I'm I'm not really going to be talking about the package as a whole in this session. I'll talk a little bit about the different sports, but the main one I'm going to be talking about is volleyball because that's the one that me and my partner have become obsessed with to the point where we're putting in like an hour a night playing it. Um, but we'll, we'll get we'll get to that at the end. Uh, what sport... So Nintendo Switch Sports is the sequel or the second sequel to Nintendo Wii Sports because there's also Wii Sports Resort, which was the, the motion plus version of Wii Sports, which had added extra sports and things. But Nintendo Switch Sports is the sequel to Wii Sports, which they should have done at the, at the Switch's launch, the thing that we've been waiting for for ages, um, and it brings a bunch of sports games, some of them Wii Sports classics and a bunch of them new, up to the modern day, and also introduces a new type of character. So whereas previously in Wii Sports, everyone was Miis, uh, the Miis are still in it, should you so wish to use them, but they do look outdated now. And instead you have these other fully designed characters to, to choose from. And what's disappointing about these characters is that there is not many customization options available for them yet. And so picking a Mii is still the way if you want to get a character that actually looks like you, you've got to pick a Mii. But the way they're encouraging people to keep playing this game week on week is that by playing online against other people... You earn experience, and as you level up, you unlock items for your character. Basically, similar-ish to a battle pass, but it doesn't cost money because you just bought the game. So, Nintendo have kind of got a character customization battle pass, but it's not like a pass. It's just you just you just unlock them while playing the game. Who would have Who would have thought it, Scott? Oh my God! I know you. You could just unlock things from playing it. Uh, and there's no there's no extra money money option. You buy the game, you've got it. If they suddenly introduce an extra money option in a few months' time, then I'll eat my words. But Nintendo have not done that to a game yet, so I am holding out hope they'll not do this here. So that's what you can only earn this points through playing online. So it's got a fairly robust online system where you can play every one of these sports games online against strangers or against friends. You know, you know that you know the drill. So different games. Then we've got returning from Wii Sports. We've got tennis. And do you remember playing Wii Sports tennis, Scott? Um, I've only played Wii Sports at. I never owned a Wii. I only played Wii Sports at people's houses. So I get. I guess I do. Uh, so in Wii Sports uh, tennis, it's it's always doubles. Sorry, um, that was a really long way of saying I do remember Wii Sports yeah, tennis. No, it's fine. But I remember <laughs> mainly. I remember playing it with a mutual friend of ours. Uh, who I guess I don't want to name on the podcast Why? because, for, for I don't know, for no particular reason. Okay. This might be a bit weird. All right. Is it someone we're still mutually friends with? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, let's, not name, let's not name them. Message, <laughs> me, message me afterwards with the name right. of who you're on about. Uh, yeah, so the, the, it just brings that tennis game 
to this game, it, I mean, it just looks nicer. The, the, way, the way it plays feels exactly the same as what it used to play in the Wii Sports days. And I'm sure loads of people can tell me, actually, it's different in these ways. Like the, the, the Wii Sports tennis connoisseurs who have looked at every single change will probably be like, no, this is why it's different and this is why it's worse. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good little tennis game. It's always doubles, and so if you play it online, you control both people on your side, or you can play with a, with a friend and do duos, doubles that way. Also returning from Wii Sports is bowling. Uh, the, the way the bowling works online, so you can either play it solo, where you're just sort of doing your own thing, or if you go online, you end up playing survival bowling, which is almost like a bowling battle royale, where every round, so there's eight rounds in total, and if the first round, if you're in the bottom five, you're eliminated. In the second round, if you're in the bottom four or whatever of, of that round, you're eliminated. And so it just goes through all the eight rounds until it's just you and one other person bowling alongside each other to try and get the highest score. And that's pretty fun. The bowling works as it did previously in the Wii, in Wii Sports, although with a, li- a bit more dexterity to the motion because it's, it's using the gyros rather than the waggle. If, if that makes sense. Um, so, you, so you can like spin the ball, for example, as you, as you throw it, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's good. Uh, the, the games which have not returned from Wii, the original Wii Sports, um, golf is coming later this year, although there's a, a, a fuck ton of golf games on the Switch already. You can get Mario, Mario Golf already. Um, I think there's a golf game in that. Yeah, but you already spent money on um, Switch Sports. Yeah, okay, you, yeah. And I, they couldn't be bothered to get golf done. Well, it's not done yet, but it's coming in a free update. Well, in like that makes it better, doesn't it? Months. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you, could, you can't choose to give them your money later. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> I don't know what argument you're making here. I'm, oh, buy the game now and we promise it will be done in like six months. I think it's... A, I mean, well, maybe, for what, else, what I'll say is it's a £30, £30 game. It's not, Give me it's the not, game now, and I'll decide whether to pay you in six months. <laughs> how about, you how buy about the game that? now with the sports that are currently on it, and then in six months you're also getting Wii Sports Golf, or you're getting <laughs> golf added to it. Um, so golf's not in it yet. They didn't bring across the the boxing game, but that's fine because the boxing game in Wii Sports was the worst one. The only one I'm disappointed that isn't here. I mean, I've, I mean, it's, there's five in total, so you know. Uh, baseball would have been nice to be included. I really liked Wii Sports Baseball. That was quite fun. So I'm sad it's not included here. But in its place, we have some other games. So you've got badminton. You a fan of badminton, Scott? I don't mind badminton. I could see you liking badminton. And that's not even... That, yeah. that sounds like a dig, but it's not. <laughs> so badminton... Do, do you like badminton? I enjoy playing it on this game. Uh, badminton okay. is 1v1, and you control the badminton rackets... In like a one-to-one motion, like in Skyward Sword, you've got to hit the the little shuttlecock back and forth. You can press different buttons to do different types of swings to make it sort of go f- uh, sort of shorter. You can do like a weak swing by holding a button, um, but you can smash it down without pressing any buttons. Just absolutely whash it, whack it, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, again, it, that's basically the depth of it. I've not played loads of badminton yet. Uh, you've got Chambala, Chambara. Uh, it's a sword fighting game. You you and one other person get put in a little ring and the objective is to knock the other person into the water with your sword. You've got to block their sword and then swing yours to avoid their blocking. If you hit their block, then you get stunned and they get a few hits on you. That's good and that's really intense. There's three different swords to choose from. There's like a regular sword, which is the strongest. 
There's a charge sword which charges itself up as you block, so it encourages you to constantly block and then unleash a stronger attack. And there's the uh, two swords options where you've got two weaker swords, but you've got two of them, which is I don't know. I don't know if it's beneficial because you can't attack while you're blocking, so there's no difference to just using one sword really. Apart from you can maybe confuse them by moving your other sword around while you're blocking with one of them. It's, it's weird. I find it really hard, that game. I can never predict where someone's going to be going and everyone else seems to be really good. And so I played a bit of that, but then I get stressed out. Uh, the other games and are... And you said you've been enjoying the volleyball. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. I'm getting All to right. that. All right. I'm sorry. I'm trying to contribute. We've got two more. You, you continue on, mate. Football? Yeah. You ever heard of football? Um, yeah, sure. The American one, right? No, English football. So- oh. Soccer. Um, oh, soccer. I know. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got Rocket League, but without cars in this game. So it's a four <laughs> it's a four v four game. There's a giant football, and you run around on a little pitch trying to hit the football. That's impossible to play. It, I mean, it's not impossible in that it doesn't work or doesn't run well. It runs perfectly fine. You can do everything fine, but trying to plan out a strategy with four other strangers that you can't speak to is impossible. So you're just sort of okay. hoping for the best that the ball <laughs> comes to you. Basically, yeah, and it's just a stressful experience. So unless you've got three other people to play that with, uh, it's not recommended. Plus you have to use two Joy-Cons to play it because you have to use run around and swipe in different ways. And, and yeah, it's, it's, I played a couple matches of that and then thought, no, that's not for me. Volleyball, though. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen Haikyuu, the anime about volleyball? Uh, no, I've not. It's very good. I'd recommend it. Okay. Um, but this volleyball game is basically that. It's always doubles and you either get paired with a stranger or you can play with your partner. You can go online and just play together. Only with your partner, not your <laughs> friend. Or, or an acquaintance. Uh, or I, I mean, else. anyone who joins you for volleyball is your partner in my eyes. Uh, you become partners <laughs> on the on the court. Uh, and you, you love a lifetime, even though you only play one match. <laughs> the one match feels like a lifetime because it's because it's so memorable, not because it's boring. Uh, <laughs> the volleyball uh, is duos, two so two against two, and oh god, it's fucking great. So the way volleyball works is you've you you can never hold onto the ball. You're constantly just pushing it or you're spiking it, which means slamming it down, and then you've got to try and catch it. And so this game is surprisingly deep, and I'm trying to think of how I explain this for people who don't know how volleyball works. Uh, it's like playing tennis, but there's more to it. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. You can, you, you constantly, we found ourselves, when we're playing this game, we found ourselves analyzing what our opponents were doing. Each, each sort of like volley, lasts maybe five seconds where someone catches the ball passes it to the spiker or to pass it to someone else the setter the setter then sets it for the spiker and the person who passed it originally then runs up jumps spikes and hopefully you get it in on the other side or uh, so it, or the other person will catch it and start the whole process again does that make so sense it's like it's like quidditch <laughs> yeah not not even slightly but yeah sure okay. why not um, I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's like... Yeah, sure. Uh, and so what that means is you can often strategize together. So you can, like, move your character to, to block where you think the other people are going to be spiking. I got to grips, or I started to get to grips with, like, where the other players in different matches 
when they would sort of like instigate where they were spiking to in order to try and block it. And I'd be like, I'm blocking here on the right. You move to the left. So if they go over there, you've got, you've got that covered. And I could start picking out the weak spot in the other team. And then when I, when I serve, I serve to the weaker person so that then they have to spike first and hopefully we can just block it and win that, that round. It feels mean, but also it's just very good that it's just, this game has a level of depth where you, as you're playing and it, it's first to six points, but as you're playing, you can just pick up what what the other team's doing and, and where, where their sort of strengths and weaknesses lie and how to sort of counteract that in quick five-second bursts. And it's just so much fun. It's like playing Haikyuu. So it's, it's, as, as, as a ball gets set to you, you jump up in the air and you've got a quick, like you sort of hang in the air for a second as the ball comes towards you and you have a split second to decide which direction to send it in. Uh, and then when, when you're blocking, you can move in front of the person, try and block them as they spike and have you worked it out correctly are you moving to the right spot oh it's it's so much fun so exhilarating matches last a few minutes each and then you just back into another one and i i can't get enough of it honestly let uh look up some footage of in fact i tweeted about it i sent you a tweet you, you sent it to me i watched it yeah that's what it's like it all good. the time and it's, it's just fucking great i love it um big fan if you don't understand what i'm on about because i'm not good at describing the sport um, please just look at some footage of it because I would love for some more people to be playing Switch Sports Volleyball. Um, I, the, the, I'm i not having any, any issues finding matches online, which is pretty good, which suggests a decent number of people are currently playing it. Hopefully that sticks around because the main benefit of playing this game is playing online. That said, about a fifth of the matches suffer a bit from Nintendo's sort of just shitty online service in that sometimes balls will just sort of hang in the air for a bit as it sort of tries to catch up with what the other person's internet connection is doing. I don't know how the internet connection works, but it's not like it's not, it doesn't feel like it's running server side. It feels like peer to peer, and so you're reliant on the the person with the worst connection. It's sort of how it how it defines it all, which can be frustrating sometimes. But on the flip side, sometimes you can work out who's got the bad connection and surf to them so that they fail. So I, Very well. Sweet. Another element of strategy. Another element of strategy. Um, I think this game would be especially good if you're just playing it locally with like four people. Uh, that'd be that'd be really great. But um, annoyingly, you do have to sort of just put up with Nintendo's spotty internet service, which you would hope by now they would have got better at, but that's just not going to happen. Luckily, it's it's only... It's only a fifth of the matches I play that have that issue. That's okay, cool. right? That's fine. Fifth file, one in five. Who cares about that? That's fine. So That's... if you're fine with one, 20% of your gameplay <laughs> being a bit shit, <laughs> you you could play Wii Sports Volleyball. Uh, Switch Sports. Thank Switch you, Sports. Um, yeah, so I really like it. Like I said, it's it's £30, so it's a, a lower price than games often are. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can't say that's not true. I would have bought it for fifty pounds, Scott. All right, and you would have loved it all the more. I would have loved it. I, mean, I would have loved it the same, maybe a bit less. <laughs> but <laughs> I really like it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's great to play with friends. All there was uh, one last thing to say is if you've got a Switch Lite, uh, you can't play it. Oh yeah, Requi- requires motion yeah. control. Would it, would it still let you buy it on a Switch Lite? Don't know. I suppose you could play it on a Switch Lite if you had separate controllers, but I you guess. can't. But you can't play it multi. You can't play two people to one console unless you're docked. 
So you can't dock a Switch Lite, so you can only ever play it on your own with separate controllers. That's my warning to Switch Lite players. Everyone else, you're good to go. Tell me about a book you've been reading. You've got a Warhammer right. book, Scott. We, we've got book roundup, Scott's book roundup, because I'm a reader now. I'm an intellectual highbrow reader, and I'm going to tell you all about this amazing books I've been reading. I can't. Uh, I'm... You can't read. We know that. Yeah. Uh, the state education system failed you. I went to school <laughs> with you. I know. <laughs> How many podcasts are we going to say that I got failed by the state education system? <laughs> Until they yeah, change. They're, they're, That's how many. It's going to devolve into us calling out our old teachers by name. I sent an email once to school after leaving to just pass on a message to one of my old teachers thanking them for their influence they had on me. Oh, yeah. There, there, is, there, is, nice. there is one teacher in that school, at least, who I... I sort of hold in such high regard as being partly responsible for how I've turned out. Yeah. So I did send that. I did send that. But otherwise, there's def- there's a lot of teachers there, or who were there, <laughs> who they've got they've got some bad things coming their way. That's not a threat. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm actually going to send some bad things their way. I'm just saying they deserve some bad things their way. Go on, Scott. Tell me about this book. All right. So this book it is a book called Horus Rising. And it is set in the universe of Warhammer 40,000. Well, 30,000, really, because it, it takes place in the first book in the Horus Heresy series. How many thousands place, are there? A lot of them. takes place 10,000 years before the main setting. It's kind of the origin story of the whole, of the whole thing. How do you... Uh, okay, was, okay, just separate to this, right? And I'm not ask, asking this as a, as a dig at your at your book or anything, but 10,000 years is a really long time. How can anything happening in this book have any influence on something 10,000 years later? Well, also because it really it leads to the kind of civilization that okay. we get in the year 40,000. It's, uh, it's, you know, great, uh, great aims, downfalls, betrayals, brother against brother. Okay. Uh, maybe not so great aims in the first place. Maybe it was a bit of the emperor's fault okay. uh, all along. Yeah, um, it was really interesting. So just if you don't know, uh, the Horus Heresy is kind of the origin story for the whole Warhammer sort of setting. I didn't know. Really. You didn't know. And actually, this is a book I'd be interested for you to read. I know yet you won't. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but I'd be interested to see how much you get out of it. Because I thought it was a good book. Like, even if you didn't know about Warhammer setting, it was quite good on its own of setting up kind of these characters and the situation that's going to happen. Um, because yes, this is sort of the origin story of like a civil war uh, fought in the in a nascent uh, sort of empire, and uh, and all the co- all the fallout of that, all the consequences, and um, it, it's it's a fifty book series. Okay, and uh, that's a lot and of books. Ha- and at least half of them are worth reading. I've been told. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm in no place to comment on how long a series is when I'm going through one piece. You you you, you watch your anime and whatever. Um, well, yeah. there's a 50 book Horus Heresy book series, and this is book one. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I liked it. It's got uh, all the things I kind of want out of a Warhammer book. I've read some other Warhammer books as well. Uh, as with any kind of media franchise, you know, there are loads and loads of novels um, in the Warhammer franchise with loads of different writers. So some of them uh, are really good. Some of them are not very good at all. Some of them are average. But this is written by Dan Abnett, who's a really good writer uh, i think and he's really good at getting into the, the human interest in this like very far alien future where there's not a lot to relate to 
Um, he's good, you know, because a lot of the action centers around these kind of uh, the space marine super soldiers mm. and their sort of politics, and that's fine. We get some interesting space marines, uh, but more than that, this book uh, has several human characters who are also uh, kind of playing a role in events, and he uses their their story to really uh, hammer home that human interest and to give some insight as to what it's like to be just like a regular person sort of living right okay uh, in this universe so yeah that's really interesting we see that there's uh you know there's a bunch of people who all have different perspectives on what's going on uh at the time in the story of um you know, different positions as similar to, uh, is that similar uh, to like the way Game of Thrones does their perspective yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, kind of. It's not not as epic as Game of Thrones. Obviously, it's it's a lot shorter than a Game of Thrones novel, and it's no, it's. Uh, I guess the series, the, the overall series is longer. Yeah, yeah, I guess the overall series is longer, but the the actual book itself, you know, there's a, there's a few point of view characters. Uh, Are they all written by well. the same person? No, they got very. I was going to say because there's uh, no way one guy's churned out be, fifty I, books. I, I, I wish they were all written by Dan Abnett, but okay. no, um, that's not possible. Well, that sounds, so sounds it had, good. Had the kind of stuff I was looking for. So I'd be interested. I'd be really interested to know uh, if someone. It's quite a cheap book, um, and you can get it. I listened to the audiobook version, which was read by Toby Longworth, who's a very talented voice act, uh, kind of narrator as well. Uh, I'd be interested to see someone who hasn't read, uh, doesn't know much about Warhammer setting, um, decide, you know, read it and see what they thought, because I think it sets up. I think it's got the kind of stuff that you might like. Which is like, it's got the details of this wider universe. That's what I like. Intrigued. That's what I like. It's you, what you like. Does it? I mean, is it details of wider universe that it's ever going to explore? Yeah, but mm. it goes in. Well, define explore. I like things that exist in the universe and you never get to see them. Like you just hear, okay. you just have a character go like. Oh yeah, he comes from the West Ocean. Uh, over there, they got this shit, yeah. and then you never see. I, th- I think you'd like it then, because the plot's gonna heavily develop into the intrigue between like the Space Marine factions and the and the civil war that's going to emerge. Okay. So you kind of you get a taste of the rest of the world, rest of the universe through fifty books. Yeah, there's a modified reading order I'm following. Um, let's see. I've let's see where I'm at finishing One Piece. When, when, when I've got, finish. I've got another six hundred chapters to go. Do, do you read a lot of um, just regular book, or do you read a lot of manga? I can't read books. I have, I have, uh, I have four books here, not here in this room, but like like on my bedside table okay. that I've started and not finished. Actually, I finished a book, which was that asking what a book, but that's not really a oh, yeah. book book. That's I would recommend the audiobook version. Okay. I don't, I mean, I don't, the only issue is I don't have time to listen to audiobooks. I, at, no, at no point am I ever like... I suppose you do it while you're painting, I imagine? Or travelling? Yeah, and dr- painting, driving. So uh, I can't listen... Because kind of I, I, I bike to work now. You don't drive and you, and I, and you and don't, I don't have. Paint. I don't want to put audiobooks on while I'm cycling... Or any sort of podcast I, yeah, while I'm cycling because it's dangerous... Uh, those are like the main t- like traveling to and from work is like the main time I used to listen to podcasts, and so I've not listened to. I mean, there are no other podcasts, yeah. but if there were, I wouldn't have listened to them. When I listened to them, yeah, yeah. which is which is disappointing. It's sad because I um some actually that's a that's a lie. Sometimes I'll put on the off menu podcast with James Acaster and Ed Gamble um, when I'm cooking dinner. That's a good podcast. I recommend that. Of Peacock and Gamble fame, maybe. All right, fine. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> do you want to do your anime roundup? I'll do. We'll, we'll go back to you after one of them, but um, I'll right, talk sure. about some anime this week because I watch a lot of it, 
and I've finished some series in, the, in a film recently. So first up is Comey Can't Communicate. This is on Netflix, and it's about a, a high school boy and a high school girl who meet. Uh, he is determined that he's going to have a normal high school year, and he's going to be popular this year. And then he makes friends with the most popular girl in school who is has social anxiety and so she is incapable of talking while there are other people around and so but she desperately wants friends she's incredibly good looking she's good at everything she does everyone fawns over her but she doesn't see them as friends because she cannot speak to them and so he makes it his goal to befriend her and get her 100 friends. There's a number that they pick out of thin air. In the first episode, we're going to get Komi 100 friends, and they never mention the 100 friends ever again. They just, they just, every episode introduces like a new friend. They go through some wacky comedic situations. It's very funny. And you also see the romance developing between the main characters of Komi and. Cal. Uh, guy, man in the show. Cal, uh, why do you only watch anime that is based on your life? <laughs> <laughs> I've never dated someone with social anxiety. Actually, no, I very much have. I very much have. Um... <laughs> That's a good. That's a good point. It's very. But it's, I feel like going back to school. I feel like every year at school we knew each other. You would always begin with like, "I'm going to have a normal year." Oh school. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> and it would never happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very so. The, seeing the relationship develop between these two characters is is very nice. It's it's very sweet and very touching at times. It's also incredibly funny. Uh, it's it has an almost. Not quite, it's not as good as Nichi Ju, uh, My Ordinary Life, uh, because that's what the funniest anime to ever exist. But it, it it has some of those elements to it, a sort of quite wacky sense of humor, a very sort of like bombastic, and then someone just shoots through the through the wall or whatever, and they run really fast. That sort of a lot of a lot right. of high energy uh, to it. Maybe, maybe I'll watch it. I'm a sucker for teen romance for young love. There is currently it, it really tugs at my heartstrings. The the first half of the of the series is already out on Netflix, and the the second half is yeah. starting. I think it started this week and now it releases week on week alongside Japan. I don't know if the second half is being dubbed week on week, but the first half is currently dubbed. Right. You, you should watch Monthly Girls Nozaki. I didn't like it. It's similar. But I it's tried the same it. thing. I know. It's the same show. I didn't like it. I don't know why, but something about it, I just... I just Maybe it's I should exactly try it again. I maybe watched it too close to Nichiju. The only issue with Komi Khan Communicate, and you can, this is an issue you could apply to a lot of anime, to be fair, but it lets it down every single time, is the over-sexualization of <laughs> teenage girls. Um, I was going to say, does he try to look up her skirt? He doesn't. He's a very good boy. But um, you have these... Other people do. No, no, no one else does that either. I don't think. Uh, but you have... You basically just... The, the way the camera portrays some characters is kind of bad. Everyone treats Comey as this beautiful goddess of a person and that she's often, often not taught, treated as a character by other characters... Uh, and you also have one character in particular who has quite large breasts, and so sometimes when she's doing something, they'll they'll jiggle a lot, and the camera will focus on that. It's, it's, a, it's like a joke, uh, which is just a sort of a staple of anime humor that does not translate to the West even slightly. It doesn't make it okay for the Japan either, but it's very much just like a a trope that is there, and you annoyingly, it's one of those things that you have to begrudgingly accept at times as being a thing that is there. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's it is it is occasionally an issue in this in this show. There is one episode which takes place at a water park, and that's when it gets especially bad. So skip episode seven. It's all, it's all I will say. You can skip episode seven; you won't miss anything. Um, uh, at least put your browser into private mode. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Otherwise, though, very nice, very heartwarming story. Very funny. Really enjoyed it. What's the second book that you have read? All right. You, you've not read Warhammer, but you do know about The Witcher. I've read The Witcher books. Have you read them all? Okay, so I, I have I not read, read all of them. I've read the up to the end of the second novel, I think. But your Sword of Destiny, okay. I've read. Well, The Sword of Destiny, the second short story collection. I really like this one. This one was actually so good. It made me want to go back and listen to the first one. So this is, I think this is the book that really made me fall in love with The Witcher. It is, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I really liked The Last Witch, but The Sword of Destiny has a lot of those... It, this is where it felt like it really hit his stride, really, in, in, in terms of that, that short story and sort of rounding out it the character some, in those worlds. The short stories, are, I say, are more entertaining. The characters yeah. are sort of more... But you can tell um, Tarkovsky uh, was... Um, he was kind of hitting his stride of writing these characters. Like, the chemistry between the characters is much more, like, on point than in the first book. Although, interestingly, I think this was published before The Last Wish. It's just in okay, terms so of story I, chronology. I look, I look, no, I looked, in, I looked into this. So, basically, um, originally, the stories in The Last Wish were published as a volume called The Witcher. Right. Um, but then they were reached. Then The Sword of Destiny came out. And then the stories from the first The Witcher were kind of rejigged, a bit edited. I think he wrote a couple of new ones and stuff, and then it was republished mm. as The Last Wish. So The Last Wish contains most most of them are original stories, uh, the first stories to be published. I think a couple of more original ones. Right, okay. And then, All right, that makes sense. And then goes Sword and Destiny. Yeah, uh, the chemistry, I, I really enjoyed... Um, Geralt and Yennefer's relationship yep. and the, how they become sort of uh, bitter exes. Yep. <laughs> that doesn't uh, stop Geralt's, there. Ger- Geralt's not over her. No, and, and he will uh, never be over her. He'll never be over her because she's a witch and she enchants him with magic. Yep. There we go. And because uh, of the wish from the last wish. Don't forget about that. Pardon? And because of the wish that they yeah. made. Yeah. Uh, pop it. What a, what a sad ending to a story. I know. What's what's um, great about this is just introducing the doing these short stories, introducing characters, and just having quite emotional, yeah. you know, one and done stories with them. It turns out you can you can tell good stories in a short space of time. Always rooting for Gerald to meet up with um, Dandelion. Yeah, best character. Great character. Best character. Yeah. So basically, this this is where like the last wish. It was it was good. I could see the good in it. But I I wouldn't say that I loved the characters in the last wish, but in the Sword of Destiny, but it was just that much more. They were just that much more refined uh, that I really fell in love with them, and I think I will go on uh, to listen to the whole series. You should do because it, it it's. I mean, the rest of it is not uh, what what I find is a bit disappointing, and it's fine. But the rest of it is not short told in short story form. Yeah, and I do kind of miss that short story aspect. One of the yeah. things that made me fall in love with The Witcher in the first place. I mean, you got the game, sure, but what made me fall in love with this was just snippets of life of this person. Like, just sort of short you adventures. You like that, we, we just said. As we just said. You like snippets. I really like that. That's the sort of stuff I really like. And if I was to ever write a book, it would probably be short stories following a set of characters um, and just seeing these these moments. Um, so it does very much go into epic fantasy 
novel, you know, saga after after yeah. this point, but it's still very good, and I I I, I intend to get back to those books at some point. Uh, Dainty Beaverfeld, what a character? Pardon? Dainty Beaverfeld, what a what character. a character? What a character! Have you seen? Yeah, have you seen how many book I, covers this has had? I'm just on the Wikipedia um, for it now, and there's so many covers for this book. <laughs> I believe. Oh, I don't know how many covers. Oh, there's I've loads of them. It's great. There's so many. Okay. I I don't know how many times this has been republished, but there's so many covers for this book. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Twenty-nine different covers for this book based on where it was published. That's, okay. that's fun, isn't it? The unlike the first volume, the audible cover art is not the one with Henry Cavill's face on it. It is just uh, like a nice neutral cover art. Is it the original one with like just a sort of a guy on it who presumably is Geralt? No, there's, there's not a random guy either. It's um, it's more tasteful. Oh, very good. I would say I would say the, uh, the cover art of Sword Destiny is of the genre book cover of like make it look a bit like Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah, I get you. Is it is it is it the medallion? Yeah, okay. it's a medallion. medallion. I will... Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, any other thoughts on Sword of Destiny then? I just really enjoyed it. I, I'd recommend it. I would recommend yeah, yeah. Ranking of Kings. I know you've seen oh, parts yeah. of this. I don't, I should, I don't I've know if you've seen two episodes. You've only seen two episodes. Scott, I, I should get back to it. That, I that just, show... Uh, the two, first I've episodes, been watching yeah. 1973's Porridge. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant, okay. Of course. A show that you've seen before. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you carry on. Ranking of Kings is a story about a, a young prince called Boji. Um, he yep. is deaf and mute, and <laughs> so and he, and he his father is on his deathbed. His father is the king of a kingdom, uh, a massive giant of a man, um, who Boji is is not like in the slightest. Boji is a kind-hearted it young sits boy. Fairly in the genre of big dads. Yes, it does sit see, in the big. Or also Katamari Damacy. That stuff is explained of why Boji is not big. Uh, it is it is explained later because he is the son of a giant, um, as as is his brother. Um, King Prince Didus. Also, I, I realise I called I called him Andrei Sarkovsky. It's Sapkowski. Sarkovsky is a different guy. <laughs> okay. my, my apologies. Got it. Um, the story follows Boji, who, like I say, is, is deaf and mute, um, but sort of is still a very kind-hearted young boy as he gets set up to be the king of this kingdom. Um, he meets a little shadow guy called... Um, Oh, why did names leave me? Uh, Kaji? No. Why do I struggle with names so much, Scott? Ranking, okay. ranking of kings. <laughs> Just a quick break to look up a name for a character of a, of a show I really liked. Kage. Yeah, Kage. Um, who is the last surviving member of the Shadow Clan. He's this, he's this little shadow creature that follows Boji around. Um... And it just it just follows uh, the the turmoil that goes through this kingdom and this, the the power struggle of making someone king following the death of Boji's father, King Boss. In the background, you have these mysterious uh, this mysterious plot to bring King Boss back to life for unknown reasons, uh, and Boji's just slap bang in the middle of it all. This kind hearted kid who is just in the way of everyone else who wants. Uh, a different king in place. Um, I've re- I really love this, really love the series a lot. Uh, it's about twenty 
three episodes in total. It's by Wit Studio, who directed the animated the first three series of Attack on Titan. It's just this incredibly heartwarming, but at times very dark and very devastating story. As it, as it delves into this world and the background of, of what's happened in this world prior to King Boss's death and prior to Boji's rise, essentially, um, it goes to some really, really fucking dark places. One young child gets her hands cut off and her face just sort of like ripped apart by, by villagers who decided they didn't like her. Um, it, it gets very bleak at times, but it, it, it works because it sets that up so perfectly and, and juxtaposes it against the the beautiful art that, that goes through the rest of the series. Like The animation is so detailed, it, it does not feel like an anime. It, it, it very much feels like its own thing. Like It doesn't look like a traditional, traditional anime, it looks almost European fantasy in the way it's designed. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ranking of Kings, and I'm sad that it's going to be a very long time until we get a series two, if we ever get a series two. The first series follows the manga, which is currently 13 volumes, and the first series co covers all of those 13 volumes. The manga is ongoing, and so I imagine we wait for another 13 volumes to come out before they do any more of it. So, I suppose we'll see. But, Scott, you really need to... Okay. You really need to watch the rest of this series because I think you would really, really like it. Especially as it goes, as it goes along. Highly recommended. Great fight scenes. Great, great sword fighting scenes. Great characters. Boji must be protected at all costs. He is the best anime boy to ever exist. What's the last thing you've got on your, your docket? You've got uh, Nightbooks. I watched a movie. You watched a movie? Uh, a movie called Nightbooks. Okay. Uh, produced by Sam Raimi. Uh, has very much oh, the guy, the guy who did the new Doctor Strange movie. Uh, yeah, also many other movies <laughs> as well. I say that because I don't think the new Doctor Strange movie looks very good, but go on. <laughs> Um, he's been Marvelized. I know he did Spider-Man, but he's been he's been dragged into the Marvel machine now. Evil Dead, yeah, okay. Um, he's he did uh, did uh, Darkman as well. If you've never seen that movie, good mm -hmm. early nineties uh, movie. Anyway, this is I call it a children's horror movie. Okay, which is kind of like it's like a lighter horror movie, it's a PG, so it's not gory, but it's like a it has some darker themes. Like this, a lot of um, kids horror movies don't have like don't go there, but this this one. Uh, it, it felt like it could really give you a fright if you're if you if you're not a fan of like you know regular horror movies or you were you were younger it could give you a real fright. <laughs> a horror I, movie I for me this. is what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I watched this because I like Sam. I saw Sam Raimi's name on it, uh, and I thought that'd be interesting. Uh, so it's about a kid. Uh, his parent, his kid, he loves horror. He's into horror, and kids, other kids, make fun of him because he loves horror so much. He's kind of a social outcast. And um, when his parents are kind of arguing, uh, you know, because they're they're like you know bullied at school again, etc., uh, he kind of runs out of their apartment and he he runs away and he gets lured into a, a random apartment in his building, uh, which turns out to be a witch's apartment. Oh no! And it's uh, and he's been captured by this witch, uh, and he has to read her a scary story every night. Um, to keep her placated, right? And he and there's another kid there who they kind of they form a friendship and they're going to escape. Can I just say, the kid, the, the, the witch, 
is played by the woman who was Jessica Jones. Um, um, I know who you mean. In, I don't know her name. Marvel's Jessica Jones. Yeah. Kristen Ritter. Who else was she? She's great. Was. She was. Uh, she yeah, was in Breaking uh, Bad series two as Jane. Yes, she was. She was the girlfriend. She was uh, John. Uh, not John Landis. Not John Candy. Uh, John Delancey's daughter. Yes, that's right. <laughs> in, um, yeah. in Breaking Bad, uh, season uh, two. And may I say, uh, this entire scenario is incredibly sexual. <laughs> no, but like for real, because the, the witch, she's like an older woman who's like... Kristen Ritter's not around. that old. No, but she's like 40 compared to... Kristen Ritter's not 40. Born 1981. She's like 41 years old. Damn. Yeah, and it's still got it, I've got to say. Um, <laughs> God. And, and she, she was wearing like this witch's, like a modern witch's outfit. Um, like these big boots that she could just step on you with, and um, and so on. And she's like, "Read me." It's just like I can imagine. I guess I I say I can imagine. I can imagine watching it and thinking, "What are these feelings? This is inspiring in me." And I say <laughs> I can imagine because that's what happens to me. So this is a, okay. Good. <laughs> like, yeah. Do I need to grab the the squirt bowl? Do I need to spray it on you? <laughs> I'm. You stop this. Just, just. <laughs> You know, uh, um, a hot older witch who demands I read her bedtime story, yeah, yeah, or else, or else she'll eat me. Yeah. And what? <laughs> just what's not sexual about that? I don't know. This is going to be played so, as a clip on some right wing podcast about the about the beatification of men. Oh, oh, please, they're into worse than that. <laughs> but they, they act Jesus like they're Christ. not. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, exactly. I, I'm just saying. This, this awakened something in me I didn't know was there. Very good. Well, <laughs> I look forward to unpacking this over the next few podcasts. <laughs> but, um, but the movie was fun. Uh, I, I bet it was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, um, well, a lot of things are found... fun when you're cranking one out over them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was on a voice call with a friend at a time. I <laughs> yeah, please don't crank one out when you're on a voice call with a friend. <laughs> or a, a voice why. call with anyone, really. You're a fine one to talk <laughs> Wow, that's not that's not the podcast canon I want. I can't, I can't hold you responsible for what you did when you were a teenager. Anyway, oh. <laughs> I don't know what to say. What's going on? Um, oh, this is a tra- this is a train wreck. Um, <laughs> you say it as if all of our podcasts are just such tightly knit things. The movie has got tension. It's got <laughs> it's got those. It's got talented, talented child actors in it. It's got tension. Um, all right, uh, of all kinds. Yeah, uh, I would. I really. I I put it on the list because I wanted to talk about the witch. Uh, so uh, well, nothing was going to stop you. I recommend Nightbooks. Jesus Christ. What's your final anime? Bloody hell. Do I want to talk about <laughs> Cut to commercial. Uh, I watched uh, last week a, an anime come out on Netflix, also uh, animated by Wit Studio. It's a movie called Bubble, uh, which it, it may surprise you to learn. It's about bubbles. Um, basically, the, the plot follows that one day... A load of bubbles land on Earth from space and essentially cause everything to start floating. And then one giant bubble lands in 
Tokyo and covers the entirety of Tokyo. The bubbles eventually burst and cause mass flooding in loads of parts of the world, but in Tokyo the bubbles remain. And so you've just got all of these different... Um, like you've got buildings floating, you've got like cars floating, lots of different things just floating around. Uh, and in the ruins of Tokyo, people move in and start hosting parkour tournaments over the floating, oh. over the floating, oh, right. the floating ruins, uh, where the teams of parkour people have to race through the ruins to get to a flag. And um, this film follows a group of teenagers who take part in a parkour tournament. Uh, and one of them f- falls into the water and gets saved by one of the bubbles who has turned into a human. Uh, it's it's a not-so-subtle retelling of The Little Mermaid. And I say not-so-subtle in that at some point in the movie they read the book The Little Mermaid and then start saying, this girl's The Little Mermaid. I see. <laughs> so it's very much... The story is kind of a mess. Um, it doesn't really explain where the bubbles came from and that's okay, but then there's this big finale at the end where the bubbles are fighting other things and it's it doesn't you don't really understand what's going on um other than no uh, kind of like the little mermaid i guess uh but in terms of animation in terms of the way it looks in terms of the way it sounds all of that stuff is one of the best looking anime you'll ever see the the, the fluidity uh, as as would be required from a parkour anime the requirements to have all these characters constantly running, cl- clambering over things, shooting off of things, like the way it does like a lot of one shots of just following one character as, it, as they clamber over loads of different obstacles is is absolutely brilliant. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the world is sort of when they're running is designed in three D because that's how you do these things without right? costing fucking loads. Um, but it, it all looks very good and it's got some great colours to it. So it's I would recommend it for the visual aspects al- alone. Also because it's very cool that, uh, that people just host a parkour tournaments in, in ruins of Japan. That's just badass. But don't go exp- don't go thinking this is gonna tell a really good story here. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be walking away with, hey. with my life changed because the story is uh Could you use similar advice for this podcast? <laughs> Yeah, you could. It's good. Bubble. <laughs> recommend it. It's about an hour and a half long. It's on Netflix. It's very good. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. Um, yeah. Is it time for the news? Are we yeah, in a position okay. to discuss before, news? Before we do that, I I just need to go and get my laptop charger. Okay. All right. Doing hot music for the podcast. I cannot sing it, but I try my best. Scott's overly horny. I apologize. If you want to complain, just send email to address. <sighs> These are the moments of the podcast which I appreciate the most. A time to relax, to sit back, reset. Right. Hello. And then he's back. Hello, Scott. <laughs> Hi there. You missed some excellent, excellent rendition of Hold Music from me. 
just there. Oh, okay. Singing along. And my voice was not good. <laughs> wow, surprising with all the practice you I know. I've, uh, I've told people they can compl- where, where to write to complain if they want to about the contents of this podcast. Uh, Square Enix. Send it to Ofcom. <laughs> <laughs> well, who, who is there? Is there such a thing as like a podcast agency? Uh, no, because you can regulate anything. Regulation? You, because but no, there's because you can upload anything on the internet as long as it doesn't break like any laws about like whatever obscene illegal content. Mm. Then, Debatable. No, there's no there's no agency to regulate podcasts. I've not looked into all I the guess, laws of this of the stuff we've. I guess through. it would just be whatever body is hosting it, right? I guess so. And Whatever platform makes it available. Yeah, for us, it's Anchor. So if you've got some issues with our podcast, go contact Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. Oh, they, did they get bought by Spotify? I don't know. It didn't used to say Anchor by Spotify, but that does All explain right. the links to Spotify. That we that, that, that's on. not... By the way, this is not an item of news. This is not part of the news. Our news is not Anchor got bought by Spotify. Whenever that happened. But, but, but that may have happened <laughs> I think at some point in the past. That has happened. Uh, the first article of the news... Square Enix has been up for some stuff the past week. Um, yeah, they uh, they sold a bunch of stuff. They sold basically almost all of their Western studio to Embracer Group, uh, which is the uh, a, 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 just a, a amalgamation of a bunch of different studios at this point. Like it's it's they are like a like a like a Tencent. They're a Swedish Tencent essentially, just buying up all these different production companies. Uh, to make games under them. Uh, so it's not one of those corporations you hear a lot from, but then you do hear about the, the corporations underneath them, I guess. I think they own uh, THQ Nordic was one of their high-profile ones, and those, those they put a lot of games lately. They're the w- well, some THQ Nordic, a game studio who did a AMA I was about to say, Inca. yeah, they are the ones... Infamous yeah, website. Yeah. <laughs> e- infamous haven for paedophiles. Yeah, it was. And it was I so see. Badly, well, okay. Uh, so, and that's why is that why they got bought up by Embracer Group? I think they'd already been bought up by Embracer Group at that point. Oh, okay. No idea if those people who anyway. did that are still around, but mm, I don't know. Uh, probably. So they've bought up from Square Enix a bunch of the Western uh, studios: so Crystal Dynamics, Idos Montreal, Square Enix Montreal, and also a bunch of IPs including Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief. Your favorite Thief, Scott, has been bought up by them. Yeah, and uh, basically Legacy all the Idos owned IPs. Yes. Uh, they also now, of course, own the rights to the Avengers game and the Guardians of the Galaxy game. I played a bit of that, actually, as well. I'm not going to talk much about it because I'm not that far in, but it's 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 good. It's. Uh... I heard the Guardians one was better than the Avengers one. Well, it's better in the... I mean, the it, Avengers one is it, just it bad. It had less bullshit. The Guardians of the Galaxy one is, is just a single player. It's like a, almost an Uncharted-like yep. game. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's, it's, if oh, you... and we'll get to that in a minute. Anyway. Okay. Um... Yeah, so they've bought this these so, studios from Square Enix. How much do you reckon you would, if you were Square Enix, how much would you sell these for? Uh, I know how much they actually sold it for. Um, oh, some of these are high profile. You've got Tomb um, Raider uh, in there. Tomb Raider alone Tomb must Raider, be worth something. Which is still a big franchise. Um, I would probably say a few hundred million, which is what they actually did. Yeah, so they sold the, they sold all of these properties in these studios for three hundred million, which, in light of other acquisitions recently, seems cheap, but maybe is probably fairly priced considering. I mean, so Square Enix over the last ten years, right? They've had a, a cycle of releasing. Get they bought up Idus Montreal and they bought up all these like f- uh, franchises. 
uh, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, um, are the two main ones that they've done this with. Hitman, they've made some good Hitman games. Um, publishing but, good Hitman games. Yeah, yeah, publishing good Hitman games. But specifically for Deus Ex and Tomb Raider, they've had a few rounds of releasing games in those series. Those games are successful, critically and commercially, but they didn't make as much... And they make profit, but they didn't make as much as Square Enix wanted. So they're like, oh, that's a failure. Actually. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's odd. They, they, like, they like wanted... There was that infamous story where they, like, they wanted Tomb Raider to sell something absurd, like 10 million. Which can happen. They were pissed off that it only sold for like, th- like 3 million. Yeah. I mean, those those um, games were not. Profit. Those were expensive to make looking games, and I guess they did make a profit at the end of it. But it but it was a profit, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was basically like they wanted to sell Call of Duty numbers. Mm. This was this was during a phase of the industry where they were like everything will sell Call of Duty numbers. I remember that. Uh, I guess they kind of still like. I, I guess they kind of still like that because the mid budget game has disappeared. Um, no, and then it hasn't. What was that game I was talking about last week? Um... If it's like a B-movie game. I remember everything. I can't remember anything, Scott. My memory... Mid-budget game is back. You heard it here first. Mid-budget game is back. It was one of them and I played it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then you got Deus Ex, which they made two of. And, because, and in the second one, if you remember... Stranger of Paradise, they, Final Fantasy Origin. Stranger of Paradise. By Square Enix. Uh, if, if, you, if you remember Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yes. What was the second... Yeah. They, they, by all accounts, like six months out from release, like told the developers to put in a multiplayer mode that could have microtransactions in it. Oh, wasn't no, uh, wasn't so they, that man? No, oh mate, which was that mankind divided? Which yeah, one's mankind which? Divided. Which was the? It was the third one. I'm pretty sure that that was because the second one was like. No, there was only two. No, there's three. There's Deus Ex, which just exists on its own, which is old, an old game. Oh yeah, yes. There's the original two. I'm talking about ones that Square. Oh right, okay, yeah, okay. In which case, there's because, two. Yeah, obviously, you have the original Deus Ex, uh, but that was not published by Square. No, Enix. but you got yeah. Okay. Uh, so in that they, case, it's two. They they published um, Ma- Human Revolution and then Mankind yes, divided, right. divided, and in Mankind Divided, by all accounts, like at the last minute before like release essentially they told develop the developers put in a multiplayer mode that we can do microtransactions on so that game had a completely tacked on did it have one in the end yeah it did it had one no one played Um, that and it was no no one played and basically because the the tacked on last minute multiplayer mode didn't take off and they didn't make money for microtransactions square enix has just stalled the franchise out of spite <laughs> essentially yeah Be- because they couldn't milk it for all it was worth on microtransactions they literally they just like we're not making any more we don't care if it makes money we're just not making it's any bizarre more because they only really take this approach with their western games you look yeah. at any of the J- uh, japanese games they produced None of them have tacked on multiplayer modes. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I hope... I, I don't know who's going to... No, who Embracer Group will get to develop these IPs, or if well, they're they, just they've got the stu- they've the... got the studio. They don't just bought the IPs, they've bought the studios. They were making... Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so you, Eidos Montreal, I, I, all I of can... them, are still still have those IPs. Uh, I can only hope Eidos Montreal gets to develop games again. Would be good. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, um, they made they made that guy's again. It's a game. I think, I think yeah, it was I them. they did. All right. Anyway, I hope they get to make a good game again. Um, and I hope they and... get to keep their, what was it, four-day week or, like, no crunch cut? Yeah, yeah. I hope they get to hope keep they get, that. hope they get to do that. They've already, they've already uh, got I it. Hope... I hope they get to keep it. Hope maybe a, a DSX game, because Mankind Divided was better than Human Revolution. Oh, Human that's, Revolution that's, was dang, that's good. dangerous words. People don't um, say that. Not, not, not as good as the 2000 original, of course, but uh, 
but they were getting there. So the, the um, reason that they that Square Enix said that they sold these franchises is because it, it's because it will help it invest in blockchain. Wait, well, I've got one oh, final dig on. to get in at Square okay. Enix. And maybe if I'll make a thief, that's not a massive pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> thief 4. Take fucking take that. That will steal your hearts instead of just your money. Yes. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so they want uh, to like, invest in blockchain. They want to invest in blockchain. And they needed this 300 um, million to do so, apparently. This is what they've told investors or what they've said publicly. Uh, in other news, the NFT market crashed by 92%. <laughs> what? <laughs> Scott, what's, what does making games blockchain mean? No one said anything. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. There's nothing that you can do on blockchain that you can't just do using conventional methods. And in fact, using blockchain actually makes things a lot harder. So um, this is uh, yeah. Mats- Matsuda, is the, the Square Enix president. Uh, uh, he said... The transaction will assist the company adapting to the changes underway in the global business environment by establishing a more efficient allocation of resources, which will enhance corporate value by accelerating growth in the company's core businesses in the digital entertainment domain. In addition, the transaction enables the launch of new businesses by moving forward with investments in fields including blockchain, AI, and the cloud. The move is based on the policy of business structure optimization that the company set forth under the medium-term business strategy unveiled on May 13, 2021. Yawn. Um uh so um while a lot of a lot of games publishers obviously they do it if they thought it was profitable, but given that the the blockchain market, the crypto market seems to be collapsing in on itself, a lot of them hedge their bets, right? They there there was a lot of enthusiasm. Um, you know, Ubisoft had a go and it was a massive failure. So um a lot of the bigger companies have started kind of backing off and being like, well, maybe we'll do crypt if it was popular. Yeah. Uh, but Square Enix seems to really be going for it. Well, no, they really keep talking about going for it. They keep talking. They've not actually done anything yet. And the idea of play to earn games, I just don't understand how that's going to work. So apparently the 300 billion will help them do that. I don't know why that would help them do that because they actually have quite a decent amount just in cash anyway. Um, and they and they everything they've put produced in the in the um, Eastern Armour screen is the Final Fantasy games and all of that do pretty well. Uh, so it's I don't think they actually were strapped to cash, and so there's another reason of why they may have sold these studios. Um, and that this comes from the Metro. Uh, it turns out that they lost two hundred million dollars on Marvel games. So the the Marvel games, the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy lost them $200 billion in, in, in money rather than making any sort of uh, profit. Yep. The Avengers specifically was like a microtransaction laden turd, really. Yes. Um, by all accounts. Uh, so it turns out that presumably through the licensing of these characters, so this is according to senior MST financial analyst David Gibson, um, between the Marvel Avengers and Guardians of Galaxy games, they lost the company $200 million. Uh, yeah, yeah, presumably through the, through the licensing for... The, the these characters through through Disney. I, I guess it's not strictly a joint venture with Disney where people just they both just profit off of whatever gets made. I, I guess there's licensing that has to take place it, in it that. It was a slightly yeah. It was a slightly weird licensing deal as well because they didn't license the MCU. They just licensed the Marvel characters. They all looked a bit. Different. That's what they do with um any of these games now. The MCU is treated as its own separate. So, Scott, the MCU uh, these days is considered a universe within Marvel. So Marvel is like a multiverse, and so the MCU is one of those multiverse universes. Uh-huh. And the video games, okay. v- different video games, 
also take place in different multiverses. Okay. Uh, so the reasoning is you can't do MCU video games because the MCU is already its own multiverse thing. Is is the reasoning for it? But really, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I guess they've done, done, they did too many shit Iron Man games, and that Captain America game was shit, and that Thor game was shit, and so they decided actually it's pointless doing games based on the MCU. Uh, basically, they rage quit their Western developers. Yes, essentially. So, um, so Square <laughs> Enix have decided we've lost too much money on this Marvel shit. We, they, they, Marvel, right, is cryptocurrency for media franchises. It's just oh, everyone's um, getting on Marvel. I, we've got to get I, in on I, Marvel. They, Basically, what happened is Square Enix decided to make a live service game, and they were like, "Oh, all we have to do is make this live service game, and it will print money." Because and they Marvel. forgot to make the game good. They did, yeah. But even with it just being Marvel, that wasn't enough to sell it. Because it turns out people don't just buy shit games anymore. Yeah, they look into that. Um, but they were like, "It's Marvel. People are going to buy it," and then people didn't buy it. Um, the end, really. Tale as old as time. Couldn't have happened to a more deserving game. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the blockchain, though, Scott, uh, Square Enix are not the only people oh, so, someone else. gaining on blockchain this week. So this is this is a, um, a part of a series to remind ourselves that just because someone has an agreeable media personality doesn't mean that they're not your class enemy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that applies to a Mr. Reggie fils uh, this former this one, head of Nintendo America. This one maybe hurts the most, I think. Um, I get that he's always been, like, he's a business guy, he, he worked for Pizza Hut, and he moved on to Nintendo, and he's, he's, very, he's very good I mean, at he's it. Also, he's also extremely rich, right? He's, he is a bot, he is a class enemy. Yes, 100%. Of a working class. Um, and it turns out that, so he's said in an interview this week, he's been promoting his new book, uh, Changing the Game, out now in all bookstores. Um, uh, he's he's talked about how he's a big believer in the blockchain and play to own. And honestly, this I'm going to read you this this quote from him. And there's a part in it where you go, "This is just sad." At this point, like, what are we doing here? So I'm a believer in blockchain. I think it's a really compelling technology. I'm also a believer in the concept of play to own within video games. And I say this as a player where I may have invested 50 hours, 100 hours, or 300 hours in a game. And when I'm ready to move on to something else, wouldn't it be great to monetize what I've built? I bet I'd have some takers here today if I wanted to sell my Animal Crossing Island from the latest Nintendo Switch version. I'd like to be able to monetize that. Blockchain technology embedded in the code would enable me to do that. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't! It, it wouldn't. Of course if, not! If they, wanted, if they wanted to have a system, because to... You, you need to code into the game a system whereby you could hand over that they could take over your island except unless you actually send them the physical the actual files on disk right unless you send them your cartridge or your switch or whatever the only way that they can do that is if but you code into the game a way to do that and that doesn't require blockchain no of course not it's, 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 people have been selling their World of Warcraft accounts on eBay for like you know fifteen years. Here's the thing, Scott. Is, and when I was um, fourteen years old, I sold my RuneScape account. Yeah, I was forty. This this was this was fifteen, almost sixteen years ago. I did that. Yeah, and someone bought it, and I started a new RuneScape account and leveled that up instead. And that and that was you know that was uh that was outside the what the developers intended. I did it if on eBay. Yeah, they do it on eBay. And obviously, Diablo had a real money auction house. Blizzard put in a real money auction house. I wasn't meant... I mean, it was against the RuneScape rules to do that, but I don't... It what, who gives a shit? For the RuneScape case, it was against the terms. But my point is, you need to... 
have some kind of way in the RuneScape case or the World of Warcraft case or whatever, you just get the login details and you can log in from anywhere. And change the password. In the, in the Diablo case, it was put into the game that you could trade items for real money. And if you wanted to do that Animal Crossing, they'd need to code it into the game. You could... Selling an NFT of your Animal Crossing island would mean nothing if there was no mechanism to actually get onto the island. Yeah, of course not. And, and if they coded it into the game, it wouldn't need blockchain. You just code it into the game. It's just having a transaction go and, through. And, like like what Steam does with and, trading cards, for fuck's sake. And guess what? If Even if you do own the NFT of whatever, if that developed if a publisher suspends online services for a game, you're, it's gone. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, this is especially frustrating, I think, because Reggie is, for all intents and purposes, a smart person. Like, this this, this to me just feels like shilling of something that is, is just bad all round. It's... It's the so this is the, the the class interest at play. You know, if if you're rich and you're trying to speculate on crypto or you're trying to speculate on NFTs, you need more money to enter that system in order for the value of you know to be able to speculate um, on the value of your your crypto or whatever. If you know if more card currency, you know, dollars, pounds or whatever, doesn't enter that system, then the market's going to crash like it's doing right now. Um. Yeah, that's the thing. He is. Uh, he is. He is incentivized to show for it because if he's speculating on the value of these digital tokens, he he needs the cash to enter the system. But if you're speculating on the up, value of the of the tokens, and the requirement of your speculation is you have to go trick some people into buying into it, that's not speculation. That's just, that's just tricking someone into buying something you've got. Because guess what? You, cryptocurrency can't be spent on anything. You can't even buy drugs of it now. The FBI shut <laughs> down the road. Like you know, you, you can't. Cryptocurrency cannot actually be used to buy, you know, the things that you cut, you know, food, housing. It can't uh, be it used, can't be to, used to buy, buy anything. Yet, Scott. In, in real life. Uh, so in order for the... There's a finite amount of cash in that system, right? And in order for the value to... The apparent value, the speculative value to go up, more cash has to enter the system. Um, the only way to sell for a profit is to find someone willing to pay m real money for it. He went on to clarify that the use of blockchain needs to be thoughtful and altogether consumer-friendly. Oh, yeah. He said, now I say that in the context of it needs to make sense for the player. It can't just be an approach by the developer that is interesting or it's a way for them as a development entity to make more money. In the end, it's got to be good for the player, but I see an opportunity. If, like, he says... If he's done with his Animal Crossing Island that he's put 300 hours on uh, into, whatever, he would like to, you know, he's done with it, he wants to, he should feel like he can monetize that. If you're done with that island because you've put 300 hours into it, who the fuck wants to buy it? There's nothing more to do with that island. It just exists. Like, I could, that's true. That's who true wants to buy it? Like, okay, you know what? You would love to be able to sell that thing. Okay. That still requires a buyer. You've you've talked not talked about any reasons why someone would want to purchase that island from you, other than it's with Reggie, a, it, a celebrity's island, sure. But then it's just for rich people who are already rich, who are already celebrities. It's to just make more another money from. speculative market, right? Yeah, it's just another speculative market. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't mean, doubt that someone would like to own Reggie's Animal Crossing Island, but do they want to own my Animal Crossing Island? Probably not. If they do, they uh, can message yeah, me. I, <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I would say it's sad. But oh yeah, you messed your car because he's got a beat up old Switch. <laughs> With the island or, on or, it. Or, or, or an OLED one that's scratched. <laughs> but you'll get my Animal Crossing Ireland. Re- Reggie, why don't you fix Cal's OLED? You pig. <laughs> you, 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 he doesn't work very anymore. anymore. Anyway, I would say sad, but Reggie was always, he was always a boss. He was always our enemy. But he was also coming across as our friend. And that's what's just, especially just because bad. someone has a charming media personality doesn't mean that their interests are the same as yours. They're not. He's rich. His interests are fundamentally different to the majority of society. Remember that. Yeah. Don't listen to him. He's trying to scam you. Don't buy his book. Um... <laughs> yeah, don't, don't buy book, his book. How like you that. can make but one million what, dollars that... by selling books. <laughs> I will tell you that his book is his book will have more resale value than any NFT <laughs> if, if you buy it. Uh, oh dear, let's stick on. If I put three hundred hours into reading this book, I should be able to monetize. Yeah, that. you should be able. Well, you can monetize that into business, Scott, uh, and that business is selling more books. Um, there's another. There's, there's more stuff going on with Nintendo this week. I, I suppose that's not strictly Nintendo. It's just a guy who worked there, but this is this is strictly. Nintendo stuff, and that's related to um, the growing discontent behind Nintendo's fun f- facade. Is 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 the IGN? Yeah, this is an, another industry story. Yeah, um, and it concerns Nintendo of America uh, and their their headquarters uh, or their secondary in, headquarters in America yeah. in Washington, in Redmond, Washington. Uh, and basically, the the tension there and the double standards the company has. Um, between its permanent employees, its official employees, and a lot of contractors who work there. Uh, contracting, of course, uh, is meant to be, you know, we might call it temporary contracts, fixed-term contracts here, contracting America. It is meant to be for short-term work assignments. Well, but, it, I mean, uh, that, that was what it was initially intended to be. I'm not sure if that's meant what it's to meant there. to be now. But, but um, I mean, that's that's the intention in law. Yes. But, obviously, but a lot of companies abuse these ideas because there's no legal limits on how long you can keep someone on a um you know a contract a precarious employment and indeed we're hearing there are people at nintendo of america uh who have been on contracting on you know for five to ten yep. years and and uh, however long you're there there seems to be a big uh double standard between uh employees and contractors not just in terms of uh Material benefits like you know uh, healthcare and so on, um, but also uh, in terms of company culture, uh, where a lot of the contractors see themselves as second-class citizens um, that don't get to partake in sort of uh, you know they're looked on as outside the company, even though in a lot of cases they're doing the same work as uh, as a lot of the Nintendo people. Yeah. So there's a lot of examples here. There's stuff like, uh, you know, Nintendo staff going out on company trips to get paid, you know, paid lunch bought for them, you know, team building trips and so on, like quite lavish stuff. You know, big company, Nintendo has like this fun reputation and they would have these fun trips, but contractors had to stay and work yeah. uh, rather than going on trips. Well, yeah, you don't, get, you don't get the job done by going on tricks, trips rather. You, yeah. you, 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 get, you get the yeah. contractors to do it. Uh, and... Um, the most petty one I've heard of is um, a, a, a contractor was uh, walking past like a meeting room where they were giving out like little tubs of ice cream. And uh, he was the contractor was handed a little tub of ice cream. Uh, and then upon realizing that the 
that they were not a regular Nintendo employee, but they're a contractor. But the person took back that ice cream. <laughs> just to, to say, so, sorry, you can't. You can't have this ice. Give, the, give that back. Give um, that back here. And one, and there, and there's some more serious ones as well. Um, there's uh one woman uh, who was a contractor. So, uh opened up about um, an incident where she'd hit her head. She'd had an accident at work and she'd hit her head. And Nintendo has an on-site doctor has an, um, at their company, on, like an on-site clinic for its employees, but she was not allowed to see the company doctor uh, being a contractor. And not only that, no one uh, at the company was allowed to drive her to the hospital. She had to take an Uber yeah. to the hospital. Just uh, that it that's pretty awful. Um, so there, you know, this stuff does have like a real world, you know, a, a direct consequence to people um, as well. And uh, and a lot of this arises out of um, some of it seems really petty. Uh, a lot of it arises out of uh, kind of legal technicalities, I guess. You know, uh, so. A company has to maintain a firm delineation between its staff, its employees, and its contractors. Otherwise, the contractors are able to legally argue that they should be employees. So, that, the, so that's, that's in US, US law, isn't it? Yeah. That's in the US, United States law. Uh, obviously, the solution to this is that they should all just be fucking employees. Yeah. You know, um, you, you shouldn't have contractors there for five years, you know, for long-term periods. Uh, if it's a short-term assignment, you know, contracting should mean contracting, and if they're needed for a long term, they should be employees. You shouldn't uh, exploit, you know, you shouldn't create a two-tier system like this. Yeah, 100%. I mean, although a lot of places do, a lot of places get sort of reliant on the contract work that, they, that they've done. Oh, yeah. But don't want, don't have yeah, the... a lot. A lot of places that you or I may have worked <laughs> yeah. at. Uh, for what it is, I mean, we've <laughs> been through this sort of contracting stuff where we were treated as, as less than the, the, Several main, times. the main building. Um, <laughs> this is stuff that we have personal experience so it's not limited to nintendo and it's not limited to uh america it happens in the uk as well so this is not this is sort of being treated as a as a big sort of expose on nintendo the fun companies but this is just standard business and needless to say as well if you're a contractor it's much easier to like fire you yes or or as they would say not renew your yeah 100 Uh, so so you know you have far less employment rights and uh, yeah, far more precarious job. Uh, so if they if you mouth off, they can just get you gone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's 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 disappointing to see this. I don't know how. I mean, they, they're not the ones necessarily making the games. And Nintendo, Nintendo America is, is a marketing uh, arm of Nintendo. More first and foremost, more than anything, really. Um, they do some translation stuff, but ultimately they are there to market the games of the West. Um, so I'm interested to see how. Nintendo of Japan reacts to this stuff because as the article of IGN says like a story on Kotaku good or bad is marketing still a story on IGN is marketing so this going against saying basically saying Nintendo of America is bad is anti-marketing for them so you've got to imagine potentially the 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 overlords at Nintendo of Japan may not take too kindly to this so we'll um I'm interested. I'm interested well, I don't. I don't trust the company to put it right. No, not necessarily. Um, you know, it can only be sold through an organised workforce, yeah. and contractors do it. Yeah, we've seen. We've seen instances of people be very bravely fighting. Uh, so best of luck to uh, to have Nintendo contract. Of course. Um, I hope they fight for it. Our good pal Reggie, who we just spoke about just then, he's 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 also uh, stepped in about it. So he obviously 
worked. Oh, Reggie's got, he's an got opinion. an opinion on this because he, he did he put to, this in his book. Yeah, as not, well. I'm not sure, but he has been asked for an opinion on this. He obviously worked at Nintendo of America, where for for a long period of time, um, and so was around uh, while all these all these contractors were were working. You, you might say he was the head. Of you that might company. say that, yeah. <laughs> um, he has attempted to distance himself from these worker reports and has said, "This isn't the Nintendo that I left." Um, oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> which I see. very very convenient for him to yeah, say, isn't apparently it? Apparently, in the time that he's left, they've just completely changed how their contract work works. They've just decided to be shits to them all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the quote. At this point, I'm three years removed from being president of Nintendo of America. It's been a while as I read the stories and I read the report. It struck me this isn't Nintendo that I left. While I was at Nintendo, we routinely had meetings and events where our associates, that's how we referred to our contract employees, were invited. Just as a small example, I was famous for doing bi-monthly and quarterly lunches with employees. It was a basic sign-up and associates were invited to sign up for this as much as full-time employees. We didn't make a distinction. The reports I hear really strike me as as just not the company I knew, and I'll just leave it at that. And then he carries on. <laughs> the core focus while I was at Nintendo of America was having a healthy culture within the company, and I know I was able to achieve that. And certainly what's being described does not seem like a healthy culture. While I was there, we we routinely hired contract employees in as permanent employees. We, we did it repeatedly. And interestingly, if you look at a number of well-known personalities within Nintendo of America, a lot of them started as contract employees 10, 15, or 20 years ago. So it's always been a positive part of the culture to recruit in the very best of the contract employees into the company. So I've read the same stories, this division between contract and full-time employee. All I can say is that is not at all the culture that I left as I retired from Nintendo. Uh, which, I mean, he may not believe it was the culture that he left, but as someone who's worked a at... A CEO in, in out of touch with their com- the reality of their yeah, company? Uh, oh, uh, my uh, God. Uh, not, I don't, was he CEO? He's just president. I don't know if that's the same thing, but... All right, uh, he, he was the head of Nintendo of America. Um, he was the top guy. But Scott, he encouraged them to come along to these lunch. From what I under, from, for what it's yeah. worth, I know I know a couple of people who have worked at Nintendo of America, um, and they have said that they, they, look, Reggie hosting these lunches and having lunch with him is a real thing. I would believe that while contract employees are told you can you can sign up for this, their own managers may very much have encouraged them not to. I mean, there's, there's no way to know that, but that's what I would... You know, just because Reggie says, you can sign up to this, does not mean your own manager's not breathing down your neck and uh-huh. go, actually, don't do that because you've not got time. And, and we both worked at companies where they were like, you can go and do this fun thing, but if your workload isn't done by the end of the day, oh, and, and your work is impossible to finish yeah. unless you are at it all the time, yeah. then you've got you that as that. well. Oh, you're on the phone, so... We can't give you time off the phones, but if you if you work oh, the phones, <laughs> you'd be able to go oh, to it. Number, number of times I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going to organise the phone teams to to let them have some people go to it and some people. Uh, all right, I've got a little workplace story to tell you. Off okay, air. brilliant. Can't wait for that. Sorry, listeners, for the FOMO that you're now about to experience, because that's where <laughs> we come to the end of the podcast. Long one this week. Uh, it's, it's been it's yeah. been good. We we both did a lot, and we had our. I'm off for two weeks now, so there will not be a podcast in two yeah. weeks' time. Um, there'll be one potentially a week after that. I'll see. I'll see how long it takes me to get back to reality okay, from my trip sure. from Italy. But there will be a podcast in the future. 
there'll be we're, we're, another podcast. We'll be joined at some point. <laughs> we'll be joined by Italian cast. <laughs> Mamma mia! Who, uh, who's fully integrated into the Italian way of life. That's what I mean. That's what I'll be talking to you about next time on the, on the podcast. So look forward <laughs> to that. Um, Scott, where can people go on the internet to find you if they want to? Uh, check out my Instagram, Scott VAH on Instagram, and Scott Hunter Studios as well for some painting. And you can find me on the internet, twitter.com forward slash Cal Doughty, D O U G H T Y. Um, Scott, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Listeners, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, thank everyone for If you stuck yeah. through Scott's. Um, phase earlier on in the podcast and thank you uh i'm glad you listened to the end in three weeks time maybe i found a witch to dominate me we'll see. <laughs> that's the end <laughs> goodbye <Bye. laughs>